again, fellow travellers. And after a short break, welcome to podcast 118 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. And the headlines are suggesting that here we are, second week in July, at peak travel chaos. This is an unprecedented age of uncertainty, and yet people are still getting away and having lovely holidays, aren't you, Mick? Well, yes and no is the short answer, and um, I'm particularly interested in this topic of uh, travel in the age of uncertainty, or travel in troubled times, perhaps, because... uh, um, Like a lot of people, I've just had my very first taste of foreign travel for, I think, two and a half years to lovely Tenerife. And uh, I suppose my experience was a bittersweet cocktail of administrative hassles, uncertainty, unpleasant shocks, and of course, some enjoyment. So I wonder, is this the shape of all travel to come? Well, good question. And I'm looking forward to hearing about your travel travails as well, I hope, as offering some fairly sound consumer advice. But recall that Jean McNeil, who we spoke to a couple of weeks ago about psychogeography, had really strong advice, even in the current chaotic context. She said, yes, it is pretty chaotic and daunting, but pack a few granola bars and go anyway. It's really important to have a change of scene and to get out of the country. She also talked about the various uh, aspects of psychogeography and our friend Rebecca uh, got in touch to say, really enjoyed this I too studied Baudelaire and wrote my dissertation about him. I've always thought of myself as something of a flaneurs. Of course, that's the kind of person who just wanders through the streets of a city, going where the fortunes of the day and their moods take them. And where where Rebecca's been, by the way, in terms of cities, was um, to Dublin, she she, uh, tells us, um, and... This, this is going from the philosophical to the practical. Um, their plane was three hours, four minutes late from Gatwick to Dublin. And she actually filled in the form. It was a technical problem. Um, and uh, Ryanair, as soon as anything, um, sent her £854, which is the uh, compensation wow. you get for a family of four. So it's always worth um, putting in. Uh, putting in a claim, and that, of course, will will fuel her her flaneuring, um, <laughs> uh, and, and uh, very very good to to hear that. Anyway, back to your trip. Yes, my recent travel travails, and uh, just to put it all in context, after two and a half years of not going anywhere much, my partner Steph and I decided to take advantage of some reasonably priced flights and the fact that we were probably protected from catching COVID, having just had it, by going to Tenerife. I kept an audio diary of what I hope would be a refreshing, relaxing and enjoyable experience. Midnight, Barrio El Taucho, Tenerife, and it's day one of our uh, much-awaited holiday. The BA flight left only 45 minutes late from Gatwick due to the late no-show of a member of the team and uh, a few nervous jokes amongst us passengers about whether it was the pilot or not. But the flight was uh, uneventful enough and had the bonus of an absolutely wonderful view of Mount Dede, the 
highest mountain in Spain, whose volcanic uh, cone crowned with a halo of clouds towers up above the uh, centre of the island. And it was picked out, it's sort of ready coloured uh, flank picked out by the setting sun. We found our hire car and after a tricky drive to the Airbnb in the mountains along a very, very fast and crowded motorway and then some very, very twisty and mountainous roads. Still, we arrived in one piece only to discover that Steph had left her phone at the car rental and we couldn't get in touch with them for love nor money. That's extremely unfortunate, and I'm very keen to know whether Steph and her phone were reunited. But just about the driving, um, I have had the great pleasure of being chauffeured round Tenerife by you before, uh, you being a far better driver than me, and you didn't seem at all put off by the um, hair-raising bends that anybody who's lucky enough to stray into Tenerife's um, mountainous interior will will know about. Ah, yes, thereby hangs a uh, a, a traveller's tale, uh, in this case uh, a tale of the traveller's incompetence, i.e. mine, uh, because my driving licence had expired and I didn't become aware of this until about three days before we travelled. It required quite a lot of um, bureaucratic um, and administrative shenanigans to get uh, Steph, who was the named second driver anyway, transferred to the the state as a first driver. But we did manage to do it and we did manage to find our car. Um, But um, what we'd forgotten was quite how challenging it can be to uh, drive in in, in uh, Tenerife. And Steph really didn't enjoy it one little bit. Can I ask more widely, what did you notice about the new regime of, of COVID checks? Of course, you had to produce evidence of having been fully vaccinated and boosted in order to get into Spain, I presume, or did, did they not bother? Well, I actually claim one of the reasons that I... Uh, I uh, took my eye off the uh, driving license ball was the amount of effort I put into uh, the COVID uh, administrative stuff because um, having been vaccinated three times, I had to download all the apps and then I printed stuff off uh, just in case the uh, the QR code readers weren't working at the airport. Um, and I thought I'd done absolutely everything to uh, ensure us against, uh, against COVID chaos. Uh, and in the event... All that happened was huge queues for uh, immigration checks, of course, as uh, two or three planes arrived at once at Tenerife Sur. And um, the only check we actually had was a uh, young woman who shouted from about um, 50 metres away, uh, um, where, where have you come from? And I shouted, London, Gatwick. And she said, how many vaccinations? And I just held up. Um, three fingers um, on my <laughs> right hand, and we were waved straight through to customs. That's fantastic. Yes. Oh, very good. Very good. And of course, you had your first encounter with them um, with post Brexit uh, uh, palaver as well. Everybody having to have their passport stamped on the way in and on the way out. Yeah, I suppose it made the difference between us, I or rather poor old Steph, having being able to negotiate the uh, difficult mountain roads uh, um, during hours of daylight uh, um, as against at night when it did actually have to happen. So 
you've finally got through all the checks, all the controls, you're on the road, you're, you've found your Airbnb. What happened next? Let me refer you to my audio diary. 6pm, Barrio El Taucho, day two of our holiday to Tenerife. Well, we got up at the crack of dawn, drove all the way back to the Avis office near the airport and had no luck tracing the lost phone. So we then spent a lot of time on a lovely day trying to get through to the UK in order to block the phone. But still, there's been time for a very pleasant late afternoon stroll to a local village called La Quinta, which is even smaller than ours. And to get there, you had to go down into the Barranco del Quinto, one of the very deep um, ravines that, that uh, sort of score this side of the island, and which tend to be a lot more fertile than the, uh, than, than the, the surrounding uh, rocky terrain. There was loads of bird life, um, including a rather splendid looking creature called a Barbary partridge, which has something that kind of looks like a black and white uh, spotted cravat around its neck. Anyway, back home, looking forward to an aperitivo on the terrace, looking down towards the coast, only to receive an email from BA uh, with the following information. We are really sorry that your upcoming flight to London Gatwick on Thursday has been cancelled. Um, to get your travel plans back on track, you can review your options below. Well, there weren't any options other than we will be in contact with you to discuss your options. If you'd like to contact us in the meantime, please call us. And of course, it was impossible to get through to them. So thank you, BA. What are we going to do now? I know one of the things you did was um, uh, was pick up the phone to me. Um, and it was always lovely to hear from you in any part of the world. Um, but uh, uh, quite quite tricky if you, you, you're still without a phone. What, 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 was, uh, what was resolved with the phone saga? Uh, oh, well, there was no news of it. And I've got to say, um, to be uh, unfair to Avis, uh, no, no particular interest in it. Um, uh, so we didn't get the phone back. We didn't get Steph's phone back. We did have my phone, but we didn't have any um, phone coverage from our um, very charming Airbnb uh, <laughs> up in the mountains. Um, though we did have good Wi-Fi, which is why I uh, contacted you um, to ask... Um, what would you do next? Uh, given that um, I had no uh, reason to believe that BA would get back in touch with me again um, and did have a need to be back on the day that we were uh, originally going to travel for um, pressing family reasons, which was the organisation of a 100th birthday party for Steph's mother. Um, I, I thought for a moment you were going to say your own, but, uh, but anyway, carry <laughs> Thank on. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I did feel I had aged about uh, 35 years during this experience. But um, I should just add that um, the only um, communication we did get from BA for three days was um, a very ironic one, which was a um, how did we do survey um, asking us to um, uh, rate the experience of <laughs> flying with them, um, which I have to say I haven't got round to answering yet. I did want to ask you, though, whether this kind of experience was was a fairly typical um, uh, holiday uh, outcome uh, for many of your readers. 
Well, a good few thousand, but actually finding that your British Airways flight is cancelled while you're actually away on holiday is relatively rare. British Airways has cancelled a stupendous number of flights this year. Uh, Over the summer alone, um, getting on for 30,000 departures. That's 5 million seats that aren't going. But they've done most of it a few weeks in advance. And so therefore, it's mildly annoying. You don't get any compensation. But what you do get is um, uh, rebooked on a similar flight. Now, I, when you called me, um, the checklist is simply that your automatic right is to be uh, flown back at the earliest opportunity, even if that means British Airways buying you a ticket on another airline. It seems pretty clear that British Airways failed to offer you anything on their airline. So what I advised you to do was to Uh, book any flight that will get you back and then send British Airways the bill. And on top of that, you will, I hope, be entitled to £350 in compensation. This is all under the excellent European Air Passenger Rights Rules, which were um, copied and pasted into UK law after Brexit. And effectively, you send two claims to them, one which is the Here's the flight that I booked and please give me the money for that. And then a separate one, which is um, here's the compensation you owe me for cancelling my flight. Now, they might come back and say, oh, well, we're not compensating you because of X, Y and Z reason. But the fact that it was days ahead suggests that it was actually down to staff shortage and therefore um, completely uh, within their gift and their gift to you, I hope, will be 350 for you and 350 for Steph. And that's fairly typical that um, people are able to claim for that. EasyJet hasn't cancelled as many flights as British Airways, but it's cancelled them a lot uh, closer in. And a lot of those cancellations are being blamed on air traffic control. Um, you can, if you get turned down for compensation, kind of accelerate, escalate things and decide that you're going to uh, put in a claim anyway, um, maybe legally, at which point they have to say exactly how it was air traffic controls fault, as opposed to that just being a convenient excuse. But the idea of flights being cancelled, people suddenly having to scramble to find other flights, that might be happening in a typical summer once or twice in a month, perhaps, but it is happening literally every day. Um, Have you heard any more, Mick, from British Uh, Airways? Well, I should say that what I did was to take your advice and um, uh, touching um, uh, wood, lots of um, very good canary pine furniture in my Airbnb, I uh, booked a return my return flight um, with, with um, EasyJet, uh, which went on the same uh, day as the one I wanted to get back on. Um, and then I didn't hear any more for about three days from anybody uh, until BA sent a text um, offering um, a, uh, a, an alternative flight. Uh, bear in mind, this was three days later. So as far as I was concerned, uh, I was likely, if I hadn't done anything, to have been stuck there possibly forever. Lovely place, but um, there were other things to do. And what um, BA offered was um, a flight back on the same day 
as the one that had been cancelled, except it was from Tenerife Norte, so the uh, the, uh, northern airport, at seven o'clock in the morning. So it required trying to find the airport and (laughs) at sort of three, drive overnight, try and find the airport three o'clock in the morning, then fly back via Madrid with a long stop over in Madrid and arriving back at Heathrow Airport, um, when in fact our car was in the long stay car park at Gatwick. So I consider this offer ludicrous, but I don't know whether they'd actually try and argue that sending me from somewhere in Tenerife to somewhere in London counted as um, fulfilling their uh, their obligations to me. I don't think it would do. Uh, no, um, it, it, uh, although they, they can sort of technically argue they offered you an alternative, but the fact that it was um, that the airports were different and it required a change of plane, and you had to um, make this great long drive. Uh, I don't think that anybody would consider that a reasonable alternative. But everything you're telling me suggests that your blissful holiday um, turned out to have quite a lot of stress and quite a lot of time devoured by trying to sort out all these um, tricky aspects of travel. Well, yes, that is certainly true. But I mean, holidays and travel always do have their challenges. And I uh, I usually rather enjoy um, meeting them. This one had rather more than, uh, than I'd intended. But um, what we did was, uh, I think, sensible. We reduced our horizons in every possible way because uh, Steph was uh, so um, uh, unhappy at uh, driving. Mm-hmm. So we found a reasonable beach about half an hour's non- none too stressful drive away, uh, Playa San Juan, which we um, we visited. Um, a quiet and um, tranquil spot, um, black sand, um, reasonably warm sea. A little port. It was rather nice. And we went on one big journey, which was um, up onto the uh, great uh, central plateau uh, from which towers Mount Tede and a couple of other mountains. And uh, unlike uh, you and me, we didn't walk up Mount Tede, but uh, we did uh, stop mm. and admire the view and the um, astonishing sort of coloured sands and the weird plants that grow up there. And then we descended down via a very pretty town called La Orotava with some um, stunning colonial architecture and then back via a place called Garachico, which is um, mm-hmm. a much smaller but also very pretty place, which uh, has some most extraordinary um, outside bathing pools. They're, they're natural pools, which have been uh, hacked out of the rocks. So uh, when the tide is uh, out, uh, you can swim in them. And very nice they are too. And the other thing we did was just go for walks. There were lots of walks into the um, the Corona Forestal, the pine forest uh, from where we were staying. And I did record this highlight from one of them. Well, two hours after we set off from El Taucho, we've actually managed to get to one of our objectives, El Calderon, which is, uh, as its name suggests, a cauldron. It's an absolutely massive um, depression basin, uh, probably a mile across. I Heaven knows how deep it is. Uh, I've been told by Steph not to go too close to the edge. Um, there's a view over to my right which goes right down to the sea and the huge 
ribbon development along the coast of South Tenerife's major tourist resorts, Playa Las Americas and Los Cristianos, I think. There are some extravagantly shaped rocks to admire and a pine forest which seems to have been quite recently ravaged by fire. There's uh, a sort of vague smell of charcoal in the air. Hello. Yeah, I'm just coming. Anyway, we're now um, heading off back. Steph has vertigo and doesn't want to be anywhere near this. Um, back to uh, the signpost we left uh, uh, half an hour ago. And um, then on to the next great view, which could be even more spine tingling than this one, I think. Well, that kind of proves my point that for an awful lot of people, there's going to be some hellish elements this summer, but it, it is going to be a summer of joy when we will. And this is particularly pertinent for you and Steph, rediscover why travel is so rewarding and essential. And it sounds as though uh, everything else um, put to one side, the airport hassles, the car rental, the phone and everything. Uh, there were moments which made it all worthwhile. Yes, I mean, I suppose I regret not having been able to spend quite so much time um, uh, sitting in bars and um, talking to locals, which is something I quite like doing. Um, and the reason for that is that in our uh, little village, El Taucho, the only functioning um, business was, in fact, a bar restaurante, and um, very good fun it was too. But um, it kept very uh, idiosyncratic hours in the sense that it was never <laughs> quite obvious when it was going to be open or closed, at least not to us. So um, we did go and uh, eat there and chat there and uh, drink there. But, um, but I suppose being... Um, forced to um, cook our own meals quite a lot and to eat them sitting on a terrace with the most amazing view. It, it, the sunsets, the cloudscapes, the seascapes, they were absolutely amazing. And it was just um, possible to um, relax and um, sit there with a glass or two and, uh, and a home-cooked meal and um, just enjoy the view. And now you're back and you've got to start the uh, uh, long and tedious business of filling in forms and getting the compensation you're owed. Uh, it's not quite uh, the, the um, old idea of, uh, oh, let's just, just look at the uh, holiday photographs and revel in the memories that we have created. It's, uh, it's um, a, a new world, Mick, isn't it? Is it a, a world that you are feeling comfortable in? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, I, I've uh, I managed to um, navigate my way through the BA website to the complaints process, um, and that wasn't easy, I might say. Um, and I thought that I'd um, properly sent off our complaints um, form. But uh, having um, heard from you today, I'm not sure that I have done. And maybe I should have sent in two separate complaints, one for me and one for Steph. And of course, um, what I haven't done uh, is heard anything back from them. That's two weeks or it's over two weeks now. And of course, they um, they promise to be back in touch within uh, 14 days. Well, <laughs> Ha ha. But I mean, I suppose that if I was going to try and say uh, anything helpful to any other people who might be considering um, uh, a holiday abroad, 
broad, um, you really do need to be much more prepared for it um, than than was the case, uh, let's say, five years ago. It is now more like a major expedition, I would say. And uh, not only do you obviously need to do your packing and uh, you know get all your normal travel documents together, but you really need to be careful about the small print of all of the things that you have booked. And I've never really been a big one for small print. But um, I might just tell you that when I tried to change um, the name of the principal driver on my car hire booking, um, bearing in mind that this had been booked via BA Holidays because it was, you know, easy to do it. You know how the airlines always try to get you to book their, your car through them as well. Well, when I found that I had to change it in the most minimal way, just, you know, two names swap round, I was actually told it would cost me £500 under their new rules. Um, I've looked these up and I think <laughs> they were wrong. Um, but I eventually, after um, much discussion with the uh, with the phone note, person um, and getting her to talk to her superior, I managed to get this knocked down to £100. And then she told me that due to changes in the exchange rate, this was now £50. Uh, So I've got a feeling that they might have nailed me for another £50 um, for um, the the most tiny change, but it could have been £500. Yes. Um, And very, very good to know your rights. But it is so ludicrous that we should all be having to turn into amateur lawyers in order to avoid the worst of this and it just shows the the imbalance between um british airways cancelling your flight on a whim and uh, you obviously not having anything any claim against them uh beyond hopefully your your cash compensation uh which is stipulated by law and them saying oh you want to make a small change on this uh okay that'll be 500 pounds there's no reason for it at all except that, that they can make 500 pounds unless they are they are talking to mighty mick who won't take uh won't take any nonsense um so so hats off to you but in general, I hope that one aspect of this horrible summer, and uh, it, it is going to be mostly joyful, but uh, the, the, there's so much rubbish going on, will be that actually the new Prime Minister, Arise Sir Grant, um, is going to um, <laughs> uh, actually tackle some of the very clearly needed um, problems in, involving travel. But uh, um, I, I, I don't hold out any great hope, but I will keep going um, trying to help people with their legal issues or their, 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 their um, yes, this horrible intersection between travel and the law. Well, all power to your elbow. Um, and um, it seems appropriate that uh, next week um, our podcast will actually stay in the UK. And we're going to be um, looking at cities, aren't we? Uh, Yes, I'm going to be in beautiful Cambridge, um, one of the most alluring cities. But what we're keen to know, and this is 
partly because of the uh, chaos of going abroad, if you were going to be staying here, I reckon a really smart thing to do is to go and base yourself in a UK city because you're going to find loads of cheap places to stay, actually. And then you can enjoy that particular city and, of course, go out for day trips on trains on the days when there aren't strikes. Um, But we want to know your view on what is the most rewarding city for travellers. And I love the idea that you had when we were talking beforehand, Mick, of um, uh, rating them in terms of how long you spend in them. So give me an example. Well, I I have uh, just been to fairly sunny Norfolk and um, spent um, a morning in uh, Ely, um, a charming market town, um, with a particularly beautiful uh, cathedral quarter. So uh, I would, uh, for example, say Ely, um, half a day. Okay. And of course, um, Ely being a, a fantastic cathedral city, we will accept other cathedral cities such as Wells, even St. David's. Um, anywhere in the UK, we want to know about your favourite holiday city um, and why and how long you would spend in it or how long you would recommend that Mick and I uh, spend in it. So please, your thoughts on that. Always welcome at you should have BT on Twitter or you can leave us a message anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there. So we will look forward to talking to you next week. Meanwhile, from me, Simon Calder and from me, Mick Webb. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.